0: Come thou fount of every blessing to my heart to sing thy grace. Today, on
1: our episode of the Calvary Worship Center podcast, we march forward in the book of Galatians. Our teacher, Al Pittman, will take us to the second chapter of this book, where he will lead us to chapter two for a talk entitled Grace, Liberator of Faith. Pastor Al will outline three points that will explain how grace liberates our lives. So let's lean in and learn as we look at the first point grace liberates revelation in our lives here we go galatians chapter
0: 2 are you ready all right all right well let's get into the word and let's pray join me please father we thank you for this opportunity to be here tonight to get into your word we ask that you would bless your word it is your word jesus said my word is spirit it is life we pray, Father, that your word will go forth with your promise that it will not return to you void, but accomplish that which you send it to do. Lord, grant us ears to hear and hearts to receive your word. Tonight, Lord, sadly, we come to you also to pray for another tragic shooting event in Virginia Beach the other day, Lord. The 12 people lost their lives at work. And uh, the horror just continues. Satan 's handiwork. We pray, Father, that you will remember the families who received a call the other night that their loved one was no longer here. We ask that you, who are the God of all compassion and comfort, would comfort these families. Lord, be with them. Uh, we pray that you' be with the law enforcement and first responders and those who've had to witness this horrific aftermath and scene. We ask that you'd be with them. Father, have mercy on our nation. We need you desperately. We need your grace. We ask all these things tonight. And we thank you that our hope lies in Jesus Christ. And we know there will be no peace until the Prince of Peace comes. So come quickly, Lord Jesus. We ask this all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 I've entitled this message, Grace the liberator of faith. We'll be looking at verses 1 to 10 tonight and take it uh, a little section at a time and uh, as we go through the word of God. In chapter 2, Paul describes one of his many visits to Jerusalem and in doing so, he reveals a clear distinction between the limitations of the law and the liberty that we have regarding the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Grace is liberating in that it transforms our have-tos to want-tos. I remember someone telling me years ago when I was a young Christian that uh, they said, you know what, I, 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 it's not that I, I, my flesh doesn't want to sin, but you know, uh, God has changed my have-tos having to be a good person into a want-to, amen? Has God changed your want-tos? <laughs> change your have-tos into want to? I have to go to church. I have to, hey, I want to now, amen, because of an encounter with the grace of God. I heard a story once that kind of illustrates God's grace and how we want to serve him, how we want to love him, how we want to follow him. There's a story about a husband and a wife who really didn't love each other, the man was very demanding, so much so, that he prepared a list of rules and regulations for his wife to follow. That always works. <laughs> he insisted that she read, read them over every day and obey them to the letter. Among other things, uh, his do's and don'ts indicated such details as what time she had to uh, get up in the morning when, uh, when his breakfast uh, should be served and how the housework should be done. After several long years, the husband died. Amen. There's a wife out there saying amen. As time passed, the woman fell in love with another man, one who dearly loved her. Soon they were married uh, this husband did everything he could to make his uh, new wife happy, continually showering her, showering her with tokens of his appreciation. And one day, as he was cleaning house, she found tucked away in a drawer the list of the commands her first husband had drawn up for her. As she looked it over, it dawned on her that even though her present husband hadn't given her any kind of list, she was doing everything her first husband's list required anyway. She realized she was so devoted to this man that her deepest desire was to please him out of love, not obligation. Has God changed your have-to's into want-to's? Well, he does when we encounter his loving grace. Romans chapter 7, Paul reminds us that the law, the old husband, has died. Go back and read it, not right now, but Romans chapter 7, later on, amen. And we are now married to a new husband who is Christ. Romans 7 verse 4, Paul says, therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ that you may be married to another to him who was raised from the dead that we should bear fruit to God amen you're not going to bear fruit to God out of obligation but as a, but out of a response to God's love for you that's how we bear fruit there are many believers that are still living under the old husband which is legalism. In a similar way, legalism restricts the love of God and our response to it. But grace liberates God's love toward us and our response to it. The grace of God. Grace, the great liberator of faith fruitless believers are those still living in bondage to the dead husband rather than the new husband and in chapter two we find three characteristics of liberation that is a fruitful life of grace to the glory of god so i want to go over those three examples or or, uh, characteristics if you will that we find here Uh, and pray that god bless you as we go through his word the first one The first characteristic of liberated faith, we can call it that, is grace promotes revelation. Those who are truly followers of Jesus Christ are followers according to revelation. What is that? The revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul talked about that last week in chapter 1. He says this calling, I was not, it was not given to me by men. It was not taught to me by men. Uh, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. There should be ongoing revelation in our life of the Lord. Amen. And those songs, he gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Amen. And if he's stale and more stale as the days go by, something's wrong. And I guarantee you the problem is not with God, it's with us. The Bible says we're transformed from glory to glory as we look upon the grace of God. And Paul talks about the revelation or, the, or, or how grace promotes revelation here. You say, well, how's that? Well, let's look at verse 1 here in chapter 2. I've got to put my peepers on. Hey, Amen. You'll get yours one day. Just bear with me. Verse 1, then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, less by any means I might run or had run in vain. Amen. Revelation. Grace promotes revelation. Um, Many scholars believe that that Paul, the, uh, (laughs) the event that Paul is referring to here is the time when he brought a financial relief gift from the churches in Galatia or from the church actually in Galatian Antioch, uh, one of the churches of Galatia, uh, which was a Gentile church. He brought a financial relief gift from the Gentile church in Galatia to the predominant Jewish churches of Judea when they were uh, experiencing a severe famine uh, that was predicted, prophesied, according to Acts chapter 11. Verses 27 to 30, uh, a prophet by the name of a man came from Jerusalem, a Jewish man, and he prophesied. His name was, I think, Agabus, and he, he prophesied there. A severe famine was coming, and so the church was suffering. And so the Gentile believers, Paul, by the revelation of God, put together this offering for the uh, church, the Jewish churches in Judea, which came from the Gentile churches. Now, the reason I say this is revelation, because the law... Legalism would never permit this in Paul's day. Never permit it. But Paul had received the revelation. That word revelation, the Greek word apokalypsis, it means disclosure of truth or instruction. So, what does this all have to do with grace? You say he received this revelation. Uh, it was a revelation of grace. What does it have to do with grace? Well, according to the law, again, <coughs> excuse me, Jews and Gentiles could not fellowship together Uh, when peter remember when peter was summoned by the holy spirit by the lord from joppa he was on the roof of simon the tanner's house and he saw that vision of the blanket coming down three times from heaven with these uncultured animals on it and hearing the lord say peter rise kill and eat and peter said not so lord you know these these things are uncultured for me and god was teaching that lesson don't you call it anything common or unclean that i've cleansed and he learned that lesson and then he was the men came to the gate of simon's house and and they called for peter and peter went to a gentile's house a centurion's house a man by the name of cornelius and when peter walked into cornelius's house you know sometimes we have to we have to you know we have to say what we know before we can receive what god has like god this shouldn't be working this shouldn't be happening but Nevertheless, I'm going to follow your word. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes, Lord, I I shouldn't even be here, but Lord, your will be done kind of a thing. And so Peter, when he walks into Cornelius' house, he says this in Acts chapter 10, just to to, to show you what what kind of atmosphere was going on between Jews and Gentiles at, at, at this time. He said, Then he said to them, he said, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to the one to one of uh, of another nation there's another gent or gentile, but God, Amen. You ought to underline that, Amen. If you go through that scripture, but God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean, Amen. And so here he is you know showing us by Peter's own testimony you know the situation so for Paul to have a revelation to take a gift from the Gentiles to the Jews that had to be a revelation in that day because you just don't do that amen it came by revelation it was a revelation by grace a revelation of grace not the law that inspired Paul to take a Gentile gift to these needy Jewish believers. Paul and Peter came to understand. Although Peter, I think, had a little problem with it because later on, Paul had to rebuke Peter. Amen. Because he was he was being. You know, he's acting like a racist is what he was doing to be quite straight up about it. And Paul withstood him, the Bible says, to his face. But Paul and Peter, God had taught them both that, indeed, this, this very lesson, that grace provides a level playing field. Amen. And then, of course, in the same book, verse uh, 28 of chapter 3, Paul says, There's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free. We're all one in Jesus Christ. Amen. That was my friend. We sit here and we go, oh, we know that, Pastor. Oh, you always talk about that, you know, and, and all this. And hey, let me tell you, that was a revelation. And how did it come? By grace. The grace of God. And yet, you can look around the church sometimes, and it seems like a lot of people have forgotten that. I wouldn't say it's here at Calvary Worship Center, but there are some churches you can go to. Yes, even in this town where it seems like, you know, that, that, uh, uh, there's still that spirit of separatism going on. And it should not be in the house of God. The revelation of grace calls us to reach out to those whom the law deems untouchable. You know, we need believers today who are willing to reach out through a revelation of God's grace to others. There's so much stuff going on in the world. So much... You know, people, different lifestyles and all of this. And sometimes we as Christians, we just circle the wagons and we don't want to. They're they're, they're, the, the untouchables. But grace, if you truly have a revelation of grace, you'll reach out to those that the world or the law deems untouchable or even the church sometimes. The revelation by grace, which Paul received. Also notice it came 14 years after his journey. To Syria and Cilicia. Now, he talks about that, that he was going to Syria and Cilicia after he went down to see Peter. Uh, after being in Damascus for three years, he went down to see Peter for 15 days, and then he went down to Syria and Cilicia. Uh, there in chapter 1, it, it talks about that. And he was there 14 years in his revelation. He gets his revelation and he takes this, this gift, as many scholars believe, to the Jewish believers from the Gentiles. Now, there, there's a point to be made here 14 years it's only after long exposure that is years to god's tender mercies and grace toward us individually that we are then able to be to demonstrate i should say his grace toward others i'll say it again it's only after a long period of time in your walk with the Lord, experiencing for yourself God's mercy and grace, only then are you able to really demonstrate genuine grace toward others. You see, someone who gives grace has to first receive grace. You see, when I was first Walking with the Lord, I, 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 was, I had answers for everybody, number one. I was young, I had answers for everybody, and I had no tolerance for people who were unfaithful. Or well, that brother who was struggling with a sin. Or well, that sister that backslid or whatever. Oh, God, get him. Fire and brimstone all the time, amen. But after nearly 50 years... Of falling on my own face and getting back up again, and falling on my own face and getting back up again. After seeing my own flaws and failures so plain in plain sight, and yet seeing the grace of God, when someone comes to me now after this long period of time, I have nothing but grace to give them because God has been gracious to me. Amen. Oh, I thought I knew it all when I was a young believer. There's a great example of that here in scripture. It can be found in Luke chapter seven. And it's the story of Jesus being at Simon, Simon's house, and uh, he was a ph- Pharisee, amen, I got to do the peepers again, all right, oh you'll get there one day, it's all right, amen, amen, how come I can't see, I'll get there. Hang on. I'm with a a gracious group tonight. People who have experienced the grace of God. There it is. All right. All right. Chapter 7, verse 39. All right. And the Bible says... Now this woman came into the house, she had a, an alabaster box of fragrant oil, and he, she, she opened it and she poured it on the feet of Jesus, began to wash his feet with her tears and, and wipe them with her hair. And Simon and some of the other Pharisees sitting around this is in verse 39, when, now when the Pharisees saw the, uh, Pharisees, uh, Pharisees uh, who had invited him, him saw, it, saw this, he spoke. To himself. He didn't say it to Jesus out loud. He just spoke within himself. He said, Man, if this guy was really a prophet, he would know what manner of woman this woman is. Of course, the question is how did he know who she was? That's another issue. Amen. (laughs) She is a woman of the evening. She came in and poured his perfume on the Lord's feet, anointed him, and then wept on his feet and dried his feet with her hair. And Jesus said, listen to what the Lord says. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, uh, I have something to say to you. Because the Lord knows what you're thinking right now, even though you're not saying it. I got something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. (laughs) Now there was a certain creditor who had two debtors and one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, always like that. The woman's over here, let's say. Simon's over there. He turns to the woman, but he's speaking to Simon. Sometimes when God is speaking towards somebody else, he's actually saying it to us, amen. And we're sitting in church, we're thinking, boy, I wish they were here to hear this. God may be speaking. No, you, he's talking to you, amen. You need to hear this. Yeah, Pastor I'll give it to him, get him. He's talking to you too. So he's looking at her, but he's talking to him, Amen. And he said, do you see this woman? This woman, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, the hair of her head. And you gave me no kiss. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil. But this woman, amen, has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Isn't that a beautiful story? And again, going back to the very fact that when you've been forgiven much, how can you not love much and hate less? So when I hear believers sometimes who are saying how they hate certain political parties or or individuals and how they hate and how this I'm thinking you've lost sight of grace you you need a revelation of grace because uh, I know what God has forgiven me for and those who are forgiven much will love much amen and hate less that's a revelation of grace Paul is loving the church by giving this gift to the church. But he has a revelation, again, of God's grace for he was one who persecuted the very church and killed people and threw people in jail and all of this. And yet he was forgiven much and he has learned to love much. Amen. May God help us to do the same. Now Paul also... Uh, Note uh, chose to meet with the apostles Bible says privately, those of reputation, not out of the fear of men, (laughs) excuse me, but because he wanted to be accountable to the leadership of the church. Again, this is a revelation of grace because the revelation of God's grace produces not only acts of love, it also produces humility. You show me somebody in rebellion against the leadership of the church. I'll just tell you somebody who is forgotten and, and desperately needs a revelation of grace. It's forgotten God's grace. So the first thing I find is there's a revelation uh, promoted that grace rather promotes revelation. Amen. Ongoing revelation of God's grace toward us that we might show grace toward others. And the second characteristic of liberation is, is grace promotes what I call release. Why do I say that? Well, read along with me. Here in verses 3 to 5, Galatians chapter 2. Amen? And so in verse 3, Paul writes, Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And this occurred because a false teacher, false brethren rather, uh, secretly uh, brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you (laughs) amen so the second characteristic of liberation grace that great liberator of faith is grace promotes release why do i say that well titus was a gentile believer a fellow laborer with paul in the ministry and paul more than likely uh, brought him along as a testament to the power of the grace of God being preached among the Gentiles. And Titus, although in the company of of these great leaders, in the company of Jewish believers, was not compelled, that is, intimidated to be something other than what grace had made him. Amen. Amen. He was not intimidated to be anything other than what grace had made him, despite the urgings of some, as Paul calls them, false brethren among them. Same false brethren he mentioned in chapter 1, verse 7. False brethren. <laughs> there's a lot of brothers, but there's some false brothers too, amen. Amen. And false brethren are easy to spot. Why? Because they are discontent with the byproduct of God's grace. They are discontent with the byproduct of God's grace. Thus they seek, through, the, through intimidation, to play the Holy Spirit in the lives of other people by regulating the lives of others. But Ephesians chapter 2 tells us, for we are his workmanship, amen, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, we can pray for one another, but we are his workmanship. We may not like what we see, uh, but we are his workmanship. You may not like what Pastor Al's like, but I'm his workmanship amen so you can get off the job because the holy ghost is the one that is working on my case amen and he's working on your case as well amen you are his workmanship it is not the job of the pastor or the church to do the work of the holy spirit you can you don't know, hang up your, your your work gloves or whatever because that position has already been filled amen by the holy ghost yet these false brethren you always in spot them they come around acting like the holy ghost in your life but we are God's workmanship not the workmanship of men and the bible says here they came in secretly by stealth paul says these guys came in by secretly by stealth to spy out our Liberty. In other words, they come into the church, they they, they act like they care for you, uh, but in fact, they are against you. They smile in your face. Amen. Oh, when I read that, they smile in your face. When I thought about that, that, that phrase, they smile in your face. I went right to the OJs, 1972. Amen. They smile in your face all the time, want to take your grace. The backstabbers, amen. It didn't say that back then. It said all the time won't take your place, amen. But I thought these are the kind, of, these guys are backstabbers. Smile in your face, but all the time want to take your place. I've had people show up here uh, in the early days of this church and they come in smiling, oh, pastor, what can I do? Smile in my face, but they wanted this position. And because we were in the word and we're steadfast in the word, they didn't last long. Backstabbers, false brethren, Their mission statement can be found in Acts chapter 15 verse 1. What does it say there? And certain men came down from from, uh, Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to Jewish customs, according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, that may be foreign to some of your ears, like, oh, who would believe that? There's a lot of churches that say, unless you are X, Y, Z, or A, B, C, or whatever, you cannot be saved. If you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. If you don't look a certain way, if you don't wear, you know, if you're wearing makeup, you're not saved. There are legalistic teachings like that in the church even today. And unless you conform to what we think you ought to look like, you're not saved. Well, it's nothing new. We see it happening in the early church. Unless you're circumcised. And there are these false brethren around that were saying this to Titus and to Paul. And you're not really saved. I love Paul's response in verse 5. We didn't give him an hour. Talk to the hand. That's passe. People don't do that anymore, I guess. but I do because I'm behind the times. But talk to the hand. Yeah, we don't want to hear. do oh, you want to hear. Because to do so would be to distort the truth of the gospel. The gospel releases us. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. And for Paul to take heed to what these guys are saying would be to place himself back into bondage. This should be our response as well when we hear these sort of teachings. And, and they're on, sometimes they're on television, sometimes they're in other churches. We hear people saying that, that you've got to do all we, You can believe in Jesus, but you also have to do these other things to truly be saved. As the scripture says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in your heart, that God is raised from the dead, that you will be saved. Amen. Our salvation is in faith in Jesus Christ alone. And then Jesus said himself, and you shall know the truth, right? The truth of grace, that it releases us, and the truth shall make you free, amen. Titus wasn't intimidated, I love this. Something we can learn in this world of intimidation. Not only in the church, but in the world, especially. A lot of the commercials that are coming on now and promoting the agenda of the world, the lifestyles of the world, And a lot of believers capitulate. They're intimidated. But Titus wasn't intimidated because he was resting in the liberating, listen, he was resting in the liberating truth of the spirit rather than the fear of men. 2 Timothy 1, 7, you know it well, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but that of power and of love and of a sound mind. False brethren and sisters, amen, and those also women too, false sisters in the Lord and false brethren in the Lord, and brethren being really a universal term, false believers, are more concerned about their egos than the overall edification of the church. The acrostic for ego, many of you know it, EGO, edging God out. And that's exactly what legalistic false brothers and sisters in the Lord does. It's about them. And it's not about what God is doing. Grace releases us from intimidation and fear through a sense of divine contentment through the liberating truth of the gospel. Remember that. Grace releases us from intimidation and fear through the liberating truth of the gospel. Paul said we didn't give him an hour. We're not going to compromise the truth. 1 Corinthians 5, or 15, verse 10. I love what Paul says there. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Amen. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Someone said you'll either live in two tents. One is discontentment, and the other one is contentment. Which tent are you in tonight? Maybe it's discontentment because we don't like who we are. We're, you know, we have people we, you know, want us to live through their expectations. Or we have embraced unrealistic expectations for ourselves. But the Bible says the truth is that we have been released from intimidation and fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. And so our contentment comes from the fact that God's grace is sufficient for us. I'm content in my own skin, and we're content in our own skin as we learn to rest in the sufficiency of God. That's Titus. Titus wasn't, oh, dude, I I, got to get circumcised. Oh, I want to be one of the guys. Hey, guys. You know. Paul said, don't even give him an hour. Titus was resting in the sufficiency of God for him. Isn't it wonderful knowing, and I know we all wrestle with this. But for the believer, we ought to be content in our own skin. Why? Because God's grace is sufficient for us. God's grace, by God's grace, I am what I am. You know, sometimes, some of you ought to do that. Just look in the mirror sometimes and go, I am what I am. By God's grace. But it's not anything to do with me, but it was grace working through me. So whatever good thing that I'm doing for the Lord, it's not any good thing within me. It's by God's grace. Amen. But I wish I was more this I wish I was more that but the reality is I am what I am in the Lord stop trying to change yourself stop putting down that which God considers to be priceless and that is you he chose you amen stop beating yourself up over stuff that God's not even concerned about because his grace is sufficient for you do you hear me amen this side hears me. I don't know about this side. Do you hear me? Amen? Praise his holy name. Titus was content in his own skin. Which ten are you levied in? Discontentment or contentment? Well, it all depends on what you think of the grace of God. The last characteristic of liberation that we find here is grace liberation by grace. The last characteristic, we talked about three of them here. I think I said three or four. I don't know. I said three. I only got three, so it's got to be three. All right. is that grace promotes relationships. Verses six to 10. Verse six. But from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me, Paul says. God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seemed to be something added nothing to me. Wow, what a great lesson. Amen? I mean, if you need to be around certain people to feel important, something's wrong. Paul said, those who seem to be somebody, you know, in the church, just, it, didn't, it didn't matter to me. But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been Committed to me as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter. In other words, I'm preaching to the Gentiles. Peter's preaching primarily to the Jews. Same gospel, same message, same grace. He says, "For he who worked effectively in Peter, that is the Holy Spirit, for the for the uh, uh, for the apostleship uh, to the circumcision also worked effectively." in me toward the Gentiles uh, the Gentiles and when James that is the half brother of Jesus Cephas who is Peter and John who seemed to be pillars perceived the grace there it, is, there it is that had been given to me they gave me they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do, Paul says. The last characteristic of liberation, of liberating grace is grace promotes relationships. Paul was not there to impress the pillars of the church are those who seem to be the pillars of the church. Not there to impress James and Peter and John, but to testify to the grace of God working among the Gentiles. God shows personal favoritism to no man. You see, it's not the vessel that is important, but it is the message of grace that is important. God uses all kinds of vessels. You're a vessel of the Lord. We're all vessels in Christ of the Lord for his glory. And God uses us to speak. Sometimes we think, well, I can't really share with that person. If I can get them down to the church, then Pastor Al, he's a professional sharer. And he can tell them about Jesus. No, uh -uh. God wants to use you as a conduit of his grace. A vessel of his grace. And so it's not the, 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 the vessel, it's the message that is important. God uses the foolish things and the weak things of the world, do I need to remind you. Now the ministries were different, but same message, same message. Ministries, however, that are built upon personality or the personality of the leader rather than the grace of God is destined to fall. Every time, it's all about that pastor. It's all about that that personality, you know. Rather than the grace of God, that ministry will fall on its face sooner or later. Grace and not personality worship produces edifying relationships in Christ. You see, Paul says, when, when, when they saw, when they heard about the grace, amen, there was a welcoming of Paul and Barnabas. And I dare to say, it might add, Titus as well. When the leaders of the church in Jerusalem saw the evidence, Titus is the evidence, amen, Paul brought him along as exhibit A. And Titus was there when they saw Titus and they heard of what the gospel of grace was doing among the Gentiles, they extended to Paul and uh, his companions the right hand of fellowship. That word fellowship is the Greek word, many of you know it, koinonia. It means partnership. It can also be translated communion. They realize that there is no difference between us here. We are all one. Koinonia, of the same spirit. The cultural walls which separated Jews and Gentiles crumbled, crumbled in the presence of liberating grace. As believers, we, we are never to see ourselves as the owners of God's grace, but only as the stewards, the dispensers of God's grace one another into a lost world. First Peter, Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 4, he says this, each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold, multifaceted grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it. As with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen and amen. Amen. Minister the manifold grace of God. You know what that means, manifold grace of God? There's not a situation God's grace is not greater. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Amen. Well, I like to share with that guy, but, you know, I don't know. You know, I mean, you know, I think he's exhausted God's grace. (laughs) What a foolish thought. Amen. No, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. There's not a situation that is in the world today. Yes, even the horrific shootings in Virginia Beach and the one we had here not so long ago when a young man lost his life. God's grace can be applied. The manifold grace of God. God is looking for conduits today, people who will be a vessel of his grace. And that grace, again, it promotes fellowship. Where grace, the liberty of Christ exists, fellowship happens. Amen. You show me a church where believers believe that they are owners of the grace of God rather than dispensers of the grace of God, and I'll show you a dead church. People who say, we'll give grace to these folks because they look grace-worthy, you know. And I'll show you a dead church but where the grace of God abounds, where people are embracing folks, you know, from every kind of background and, and whatever, they come into the church, g- welcoming them because Jesus died for them, not welcoming a sinful lifestyle, I'm not talking about that, that I even need to go there, I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about embracing one another, regardless of our skin color, economic situation, or what sin we're coming out of, it doesn't matter, God loves you, amen. And I'll show you a church that does that, a church that's thriving and that's alive, a church that is bringing glory to God. But those who feel like, and I've been to some of those places, but they feel like we own God's grace here. What do you need? <laughs> You're dead and legalistic churches. they are places where if people are quick to administer the left foot of disfellowship... <laughs> rather than the right hand of fellowship. The only stipulation they placed on Paul and the others is that, hey, you know, remember the poor. And why? Because God hears the poor. God remembers the poor. The Bible says in Psalm 82, defend the poor and the fatherless. The pastor Corral and mama Corral have been doing for years in Mathare Valley. The fatherless, do justice to the afflicted and needy, deliver the poor and needy, free them from the hand of the wicked. That's the mission of the church, one of the missions of the church. Our primary mission is spreading of the gospel, teaching the word of God. But we need to remember the poor in conclusion revelation revelation release in relationships are characteristics of a believer you find in a believer's life who's been liberated by the grace of god but they also speak of the mission of the gospel revelation the revelation of jesus christ his first advent, coming into the very Son of God, the release, the very fact that he came to die for our sins, that we might be released from the penalty of sin. and relationship he has brought us into a reconciled relationship with the Father through His blood. So my life ought to just to be a mere reflection of the gospel. Revelation, release in relationships. They remind us of the work of communion. They are characteristics of the life of the liberated believer. It's Patrick Henry who said, give me liberty or give me death, right? Give me liberty or give me death. Hey, listen, if we don't have liberty through the grace of God, all we have is death. Apart from the liberation that we find in Jesus Christ, there is only death. For he who has the Son of God, the Bible says, has life. And he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. We'll close with this. says, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve somebody. Serve one another. Amen. The worst thing we can do with God's liberating grace is keep it for ourselves. The best thing we can do is to give it away. Christ came. God could have held on to his grace in heaven and condemned us all, but he sent his son and he has given through his son liberating grace for all will receive it. Amen.
1: Well, that was some supercharged teaching from Pastor Al Pittman about the power of grace to liberate our life. The book of Galatians is our series, and today we've been traversing the first 10 verses of chapter 2. As Pastor Al emphasized today, legalism is always lurking to capture the hearts and minds of believers. The solution is to grasp grace and insist on a life of liberty. We'll pick up right here next time when we move on in chapter 2 and listen to the message Grace Without Boundaries. If you want access to a full archive of teachings from Calvary Worship Center by Al Pittman, click in cwccs.org and look under media. That's also where you will find the teaching library and all the information about the church in Colorado Springs. You'll have the opportunity to support this ministry financially. That's cwccs.org. Click under give. Stay in touch weekly for the updated audio right here with the teachings of Pastor Al Pittman. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is presented by Calvary Worship Center of Colorado Springs.